I think that for me, making amends helped me to be able to walk with my head up and look people in the eye. Welcome to episode 40 of The Recovery Show. We are continuing our experiment with recording live, and if you're online now, which I see nobody is, you will hear the raw, unedited form of this episode, and you'll be able to interact with us live in the chat room. Check the website for the time of the next recording and join us. This episode is brought to you by Sarah and Diane. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Sarah and Diane, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Did you avoid starting to work on the steps because of fear of step nine? Are you not excited about the idea of having to make up for your past actions? Do you fear making amends because of potential consequences? Well, if that's you, then join us as we discuss the power and potential of Step 9, which states, May direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Step 9. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? I'm doing pretty good, Spencer. Glad to be here. I like your hat, too. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, next to her is Swetha. How are you doing, Swetha? I'm coming off a cold, actually, so if you guys hear some sniffles, that's sorry about that. I'm glad you're feeling better. (laughs) Not contagious anymore, I promise. <laughs> I've tested it out on my coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I understand meditation was good for it. Yeah, yeah, it really helped right. out a lot. Okay. And um, the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Step 9. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with a final music piece. We have a reading. This is from Paths to Recovery on Step 9. Paths to Recovery is a Al-Anon workbook for uh, doing the steps and also studying the traditions and the concepts. So Step 9 is an action step in which we become humble enough to verbalize our regrets, if appropriate, to the people we have harmed. Identifying the persons we have harmed in Step 8 took courage Because of our thoroughness, we build character by calling on our higher power for the courage to change the things we can. We cannot undo our past, and we cannot expect those we approach to respond positively, but we can admit our part and do whatever it is possible to mitigate the consequences of our past errors. When all of the persons we have harmed are listed, the task of making amends may seem overwhelming. To make it manageable, we approach one person at a time and one event at a time. To begin, it is best to refer to our Step 8 list and begin with the people that we said yes, we can make amends to right away. Working through the easier amends helps to build courage for considering the harder ones at a later time. So as I said, my name is Spencer, and let's just jump right in here. I think we'll start with Kelly. Have you worked Step 9? I have worked Step 9, yes. And uh, so what what was your experience in doing that, or experiences perhaps? Well, yes. Uh, so I, experiences is appropriate because, um, well, obviously there's more than one person on that list. 
<laughs> would have been nice if I got off easy and only had one person, but, um, you know, my experience was that not only was I not ready to make amends to every single person on my list right away, but I don't know, I don't know that everybody on my list would have understood and amends if I had come to them right away. Hmm. I think there are some people on my list who, after I had some time in the program, I could realize and accept them for where they were at and make amends to them in a way that that they could understand. And I, I can go into that a little bit later. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. Swetha, have you done step nine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it was a... Uh... It was an interesting experience, set of experiences. There we go. Um, a few of the people that I had like the biggest, toughest amends to make. I, I remember like getting, starting off with, I'm sorry about, or not I'm sorry necessarily, but I know when I was younger, these, I engaged in these behaviors and that's about as far as I got into it before they realized I was making an amends and they were like, what? Don't, don't say anything. (laughs) None of this happened. No, let's not talk about this anymore. This is very awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, these are, uh, these are specific people in my life that are very big on not talking about anything uncomfortable. And, and here I am in recovery. On the one hand, I had, I had people like that. And, uh, on the other, I had people who were actually really shocked that I was, they had no idea that I had done whatever it was. And, uh, when I was making amends to them, I don't think they actually believed me in the, at first, but, um, I think they, Overall, I think my experience with step nine, I mean, I've been talking a lot about other people's reactions, but, um, and I was, I was terrified, I think, the whole time. And, uh, we talk a little bit, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the difference between humility and humiliation, but I, I felt scared that me approaching people in humility would result in me feeling humiliated. Mm. <laughs> but every time I did make an amends, um, I did, I tried to act as if, as if I, had faith that it would all work out, that it was all going to be in the best, and I be for the best, for my highest good, and um, and lo and behold, everything did turn out to be in my highest good. I felt better, even if the other person didn't accept my amends, even if they didn't believe me, if they did believe me, if they cut me off mid amends, <laughs> whatever it was, I felt like I'd start. I was clearing the slate, and that was it was really important. Well, I guess it's my turn now. <laughs> Yeah, I I did step nine, been in the program a couple of years, I guess, when I did step nine. And there were a lot of people that I didn't feel ready to make amends to. And I think, I feel like I had, I had a hard time identifying sort of specific harms. Um, some of them were easy and, and the one that was easiest for me to identify, and I may have talked about this on the podcast before, I don't, I'm not sure, was the harms that I had done to my children in, in my sickness in reaction to the drinking in, in my house, that I had been really full of anger that, and that came out very loudly. Sometimes it came out in rageful ways and my children were often the target of that rage because, well, you know, kids do things. They spill stuff, they break stuff, whatever. And so there's always an excuse to get angry. 
And I think at the time I was doing step nine, they were 12 or 13 years old. And I wasn't sure that they would understand sort of a verbal amend, you know, oh, daddy's saying he's sorry again for being Mm -hmm. angry. Uh, that, and in fact, I think that's, that's one of the, the things that I think we have to think about when we make amends is it's not an apology because I know in that case I had apologized so many times that it just, um, in fact, my daughter said to me recently, she said, yeah, you would get angry and I would go hide in the other room and I knew that you would calm down and then you'd come give me a hug and tell me you were sorry and it would be okay. But I don't know if it was really okay. So for them, I had to make um, what we sometimes call living amends, which is changing my behavior to to just stop doing that. And the only way that worked for me was that that my higher power had removed that rage from me earlier in the program, and so I was able to do that. Um, I didn't make very many direct amends that first time through. Um, you know, we talk about maybe fear of reaction, fear of not understanding. Um, you know, I applaud you for your courage and talking to these people who don't want to talk about difficult things because I don't want to talk about difficult things. <laughs> uh, you know, fear of vulnerability, okay. And and there were some people... <laughs> there were Some of my coworkers I needed to make amends to, and again, I did that partly because... Some of the specific coworkers that I felt I had harmed were no longer at my, at my work. I did that more again by, by changing my behavior. Um, and that has been an ongoing process and, and, uh, I'm still, still in there. I'm currently sitting, sort of sitting at step nine again. And this time I've been making more direct amends, both, um, well, I made, I made direct amends to my daughter for, for my anger issues. And I made a direct amend to my wife who was, it was very hard for me. And I think I talked about that last week becoming, or last month when we did step eight, becoming willing. And I've made one direct amend to her and I know I have more to do, but it'll be easier than the next one will be easier because, uh, you know, I got through one and I didn't die and, and she <laughs> didn't, you know, reject me. And you said something, Swaitha, you said something about you felt better. Mm. Whatever the other person felt that, you know, you felt better for having done it. And I don't think we actually have a question here about sort of, you know, what is the purpose of making amends? What are the purposes of making amends? And I wonder if you guys could share your thoughts on that. Well, we actually, we have kind of a piece from another um, paragraph from the book that Uh sort of tackles that it says in making amends we need to understand that we are not necessarily making an apology there are differences between amends and apologies in making an apology we usually say i'm sorry expecting a response of acceptance pardon or forgiveness in making amends we state our errors our role in the incident and that we will correct our behavior for the future we may or may not ask for forgiveness and we may or may not experience a positive response in many cases our changed behavior indicated a stronger amends than words could ever be. If we have any expectations of the response to amends, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. So yeah. it, it does kind of address that in that, you know, the amends I think are definitely, 
you know, for me, at least, I think I went into it thinking that I needed to make amends for other people. And really what I sort of gained once I got to that step and read the literature was that it's really about, it's about me. It's about cleaning up my side of the street. And so I like the piece in there that sort of instructs us to let go of expectations because really you can't predict anybody's reaction when you come at them and say, <laughs> hey, remember this thing that I did? Um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have done that. And that was wrong. Um, it, and honestly, I, I don't know what I would have done if someone came up to me and I knew nothing about the program and they started talking to me like that. I would probably be like, and, and like you said, Swetha, I mean, a lot of times these things that stick with us, these things that we hold, have held on to for sometimes years and years, they don't even remember them happening. <laughs> I know. They have no recollection of that incident. It, they're just baffled, you know, that we've <laughs> yeah. been hanging on to this for so long and letting it fester. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, but, but I do like what, what you said, Swetha, and that Spencer touched on is that, you know, there is that piece of that little, sometimes they use the analogy of with the resentments of carrying that bag of rocks on your shoulder, you know, and so every time you make an amend, you get to take one of those rocks out of the bag and release it, you know, mm -hmm. and so that load gets a little bit lighter. And even if you don't necessarily get a positive reaction, it's still kind of that peace of mind, like you're just releasing that torturous thought mm -hmm. from your head and sort of letting it go, you know. I was listening to a, an open talk, uh, an AA speaker, and uh, and he talked about that sort of that concept that the way he put it was that each of each of our wrongs is like a little black hole in our spirit. It is sucking in energy, sucking in, um, you know, our soul and that by making amends by it and and he talked about uh he was talking in particular uh, in one case about financial amends that sometimes you can't make those right immediately right. um you know maybe you borrowed money from somebody and never paid it back and and you just don't have that much money to to give them right away he said but you know, if you just start and his experience, what he had seen in the program was that people who just started, you know, maybe they were sending 10 or $20 a month. Maybe that was what they could afford. But as soon as they started doing that, they started to see a change in how they felt and, you know, started to, to close up that black hole and, and started to have a little more uh, spirit and energy for themselves. You know, it reminds me of the, uh, the promises from the, uh, from the big book that, uh, I happen to have right here. <laughs> yeah. It says, uh, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And uh, he said, you know, it's, there's, it's not a mistake that those promises come in the section on Step 9 because uh, as he felt that that was the place where 
you really started to get the benefits of recovery, that you really started to to be the new person that, that you're on the path to. Thoughts on that, Swetha? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes, but now they've all scattered away. Damn. <laughs> well, uh, I was thinking actually of what, what kind of what you were mentioning, Kelly, that sometimes when we make amends to people <laughs> that they're just looking at you like, did that happen? <laughs> I don't remember that ever happening. And, um, and when I think about that and I think about amends and the fact that it's not about saying I'm sorry, but saying that this is something I'm going to change. Uh, it's a, it's a twofold thing for me. One, because all of those things, especially it, it's, this is especially emphasized in those situations where people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but all of those things are things that I'm carrying. And while an apology or not an apology, but while an amends may help another person, uh, feel closure, it's really more something that I'm carrying. It has very little to do with the other person. And, um, and, not saying I'm sorry when I make an amends is really, really important for me because I think amends, step nine, I think is the ultimate acceptance step. Um, because I think every experience that I've had in my life ever, it's really easy for me to go, that one sucked. That one was awesome. That one sucked. That one was awesome. <laughs> I'm never doing that again ever. And that one was great. You know, it's very easy for me to split it up into those categories of good and bad, but it's only through all of those things that I'm able to have all of the quote unquote good things in my life. And it's only through the other quote unquote bad things in my life now that I'll be able to get to where I need to be later. So making apologies for all those situations, saying I'm sorry, just the sentence I am sorry is intrinsically like flawed to me. It's saying I as a person am sorry. (laughs) And it's not, and I'm, I'm not, I don't think I am sorry for those situations. I, now decide, I've chosen to engage in a different behavior, but I think saying I'm sorry and saying I, re- I regret that particular experience happened is not, for me, is not honoring the fact that that experience, of, of what that experience contributed to my life. Instead saying that happened, I realize I hurt you, I, I wish that hadn't happened, and in the future I'm going to change this behavior, I think totally, for me, respects, respects that experience for what it is for whatever it contributed to my life and it it isn't that should have never happened i'm I'm so so sorry that happened that should have never been the case because i think that's just really shame filled as opposed to an amends which is i think more about bringing these dark things up to light and so and just seeing them and saying yeah that was me that's part of me that's part of what contributed to me being me now and the fact that i'm saying it to another person uh, not just my sponsor not just my higher power but the person that i've harmed shows me that it's, I'm, I feel okay. I, even if that other person is swearing at me up and down, I, I'm no longer scared of that. It's no longer uh, something that's hidden, a weakness. It's just, it just is at that point for me, which I think is in- incredibly important because otherwise I, I spend my life trying to cloak everything in this like mysterious game where you can't know anything I've done wrong and I have to be perfect. And I perfection, I think, is just another form of shame, self-shaming. And the amends is accepting myself, accepting every experience that I was afraid of, accepting other people for everything that they've contributed, and having compassion for them. It's just it's just a really great step. Just acceptance all around. It was very peaceful. Kelly, um, you know, we've talked about a couple different kinds of amends. We talked about direct or verbal amends. We talked about living amends. Um, could you maybe um, share your understanding of what those are? 
Sure. Um, before, before I get into that, though, I, I just, sorry, I just want to backtrack for a second. Yeah, sure. Swetha, uh, what you were saying about the words, I'm sorry. You know, for me, having been in many intimate relationships with alcoholics and addicts, I feel like that's a phrase that gets thrown around very casually, mm-hmm. very often. And it really starts to lose any sense of importance or relevance or meaning mm-hmm. to me. So when, when I, he- when I hear those words, when someone says, I'm sorry to me, it's just like, meh. Like it has, it <laughs> yeah, has, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, it really has zero meaning to me. It's, it's not necessarily, maybe it is a little bit negative, but you know, when you, when you hear those same words yeah, over and yeah, over again yeah. from someone, it just, it loses the validation mm-hmm. piece. And so I, I th- you know, for me, that's what I think is really important about this step and this differentiation between an apology and amends because, because it means so little to me. If I didn't have another tool, I would just be giving the same thing back to those other people, you know? Um, so, so different types of amends. Okay. Um, well, I liked what you said earlier Spencer sort of made me feel comforted when you said the first time around you didn't make very many direct amends because I really didn't either. Um, that uh, this is one of those things in which Swetha and I differ greatly. Um, you know, I feel like Swetha is really good about like, here's this thing. I'm going to check it off the list. I'm going <laughs> to do it. It's done good. Like it was the idea of direct amends to most of the people who were on my list was really terrifying. Like I, well, you know, we're team avoidance, Kelly. Right. <laughs> High five, Spencer. Yes. All right. Jake, can uh, I get a high five? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Cool. So, um, so I really was very uncomfortable with the idea of direct amends initially. And fortunately, I had a really um, understanding, loving, compassionate sponsor who was okay with my feelings at that point in, in that direction. And so we did talk a lot about living amends and what that meant. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm not really a jump into the deep end kind of person. So for me to be able to start and get comfortable with this idea of living amends and then sort of graduate into direct amends was very helpful. So, so to me, you know, direct amends is defined as, um, setting, setting a time with this person who's important to me, sitting down with them in a quiet place with no distractions so that they really understand how important it is Mm. to me. And, you know, as Swetha mentioned, putting it out there, not as an apology, but this is the wrong that I've done to you. I do regret that it happened. You know, I wish that I had had better tools at the time. So I didn't, didn't have to do it that way, but I did. And, you know, this is the conscious choice that I'm making. And and is there anything that I can do Mm. To make it up to you. Is there a way that I can change this in your mind? Mm -hmm. Versus a living amends, which is sort of a combination of a direct amends to myself by recognizing that I didn't have proper tools at the time that I took that action and that I can change my ways now and that, uh, you know, I make the conscious choice, whether it's with people, myself, situations, circumstances, to just be more thoughtful when that situation comes up and take a moment of pause before I act. Because for me, that's really what led to a lot of 
the necessity for putting people on my men's list is that I just, I had that gut reaction. You know, I was angry, I was frustrated, and I just acted. I, I couldn't take time to think at that point. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think in the sense of living amends, you know, it's more about stepping back from the situation and then choosing my reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So the question here says, can you describe an example of each? When I made a direct amend to my wife recently, I didn't exactly pick a quiet place. Uh, because we went out to dinner. Mm. But one of the things that I read, I was reading somewhere recently about making amends, and and it suggested particularly with family members choosing a neutral location. Mm. Oh. Uh, And, you know, because I think I would have not felt anywhere near as comfortable doing it, maybe sitting on the couch or... I don't know, in bed, getting ready to go to sleep or whatever. That That's not a good time, I'm sure. We went out to dinner. Actually, we were out to dinner to celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary. And after we had ordered, so we had a moment of pause and nobody was coming by to say, what do you want? There wasn't food coming right away. And we had our iced teas and all that. Uh, I said, I don't remember exactly how I introduced it. I think I said, I want to make some, I want to make an amend to you. Um, because, you know, she understands what that means. I said something like, I realized that I have put up a wall between us, an emotional wall that I put up a long time ago, and I haven't taken it down as we've both changed in recovery. I've kept that wall up, and I am committing to start taking the bricks out of that wall and and trying to be more intimate, more connected. And so it's a combination there, you know, there's a direct demand, but also making a commitment to, uh, to changing behavior to more of a living amend. So one of the things that I tried not to do in, in making amends, and, you know, I think I'm probably grateful that I had as much time in the program as I've had before I tried to do that, uh, was to not explain, not make excuses. Mm. Uh, you know, I did this because, and I recently um, found this great um, blog post on a blog called the Al-Anon Journal, or it's just Al-Anon Journal, there's no the, uh, we have a link to that on our website, actually, it's on the right-hand side. Uh, anyway, the title of the blog post was Making Amends, Editing Away the Unnecessary, and the thing that hit me here, really, I said, oh, this is so true. She says, if I continue to carry my history into and through these amends, it allows that history to have a place in my future by suggesting that others should excuse me because of it. And that's not the clean slate I want for myself. I want the kind of clean slate that allows me to edit the word because out of my amends, one that takes full ownership of my actions. And I think about, think about an, an amend I made recently. Uh, the situation was I, um, spoke improper, imp- improperly to uh, a coworker in a meeting. Uh, and after thinking about it, after having a conversation with my boss about it, uh, I realized I, I needed to make amends to, to my coworker. When she came, she came back into the, into our workspace and, and I said, I need to, I just want to apologize to you for 
the way I spoke to you this morning. And I'm trying to remember now if I said, you know, I was really tired and a little out of sorts about stuff or not. I think I, I think I didn't, but I really don't remember. Um, so it's a good thing for me to keep in mind uh, when I'm making amends to just say, I did this thing. And, you know, I, in that case, I didn't know what else to say. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. That's the thing <laughs> that doesn't really cut water, right? Right. Uh, cut water, whatever. But the response, well, first she said, yeah, you did. She said, and I spoke a little inappropriately to you too. And then she looked at me and she said, we need to figure out a way to communicate better. Okay, so this is not anything that I was expecting. This is not anything that I was looking for. I just knew that I was in the wrong and I needed to at least own up to it. So, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes we get a response that's beyond our dreams. And it was a small thing, but it's, it's also not a small thing. Like, you know, my, my first thought was, wow, is she working some kind of program? <laughs> you know, cause ordinary people don't do that, right? <laughs> I guess sometimes they do. I don't know. I really don't know if she's working a program or not. Anyway, either of you want to talk about experience of uh, an amend that you made that uh, might help to illuminate uh, direct amends or living amends? Well, repping for Team Masochist is uh, <laughs> me by myself, I guess. <laughs> um, I I made mostly direct amends. I think, well, at the time I had a lot of influences from people in various programs. Some of those people related potential hypothetical consequences of not making direct amends immediately, and I immediately, you know, went down that rabbit hole of thinking, if I don't make all the direct demands right now, I'm going to get sick and I'm going to end up in a mental asylum or <laughs> I'm just going to just go completely crazy and no one's ever going to speak to me again. <laughs> and uh, We'll speak to you, Swetha. <laughs> I think somewhere in there, there was an I'll be the first person whose sponsor hated them after doing stuff. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I'm always the first person, like right. in every one of my consequences and I'm the first person. Somebody actually told me, Swetha, no one has ever died from doing the 12 steps and my head went to, I'll be the first person who, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Always, always trying to go to the next level with everything. Keep coming back, Swetha. Yep. <laughs> Hell yes. Um, but I, I did, so thankfully my sponsor took note of my overzealousness and, uh, pointed out that if I rush into amends, the chances are that I'm going to have to make a longer amends list the next time around. And, um, and so when I made direct amends, something I did do, um, or at least I remember doing is writing out the amends ahead of time and then going over it with my sponsor. And that was really important, partly because it was it was a good way for my sponsor to be like, Swetha, that sounds like you're calling that person an asshole, because that sentence sounds like, well, you were kind of an asshole, so I did this to you. <laughs> and uh, and that's not good. That's not a good amends. Um, that was, on the one hand, that was good. And on the other hand, it was good to also make the amends to somebody, even if it wasn't the somebody. It was kind of nice to have a practice run and... 
and realized that whoever it was on the other line or whoever it was that was hearing it wasn't like, oh, my God, you sick bastard. How could you? You don't deserve, deserve to live. You're done. You're the first person that's going to die from this program. <laughs> You're the first person whose sponsor is never going to speak to you after hearing this amends. And um, because, I mean, I think my first round of amends, I was I was really scared. I was scared before I made any amends. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd have this, like, familiar knot in my stomach, panic in my chest. But that was not as that was kind of mitigated by the fact that I already knew what I wanted to make an amends for as opposed to like uh, winging it last minute like so remember that time you were a total douche well I was kind of a douche there too the terrible amends terrible amends and um so having it listed out being clear about what I'm making amends about helped a lot with my direct amends and being clear is, I think, the hardest part about making an amends. I think you touched on this earlier, Spencer, about figuring out what you need to make an amends for, because I so wanted to make amends for everything. I think I had a really, really long eighth step list. <laughs> and I remember, like, talking to my sponsor about my list and over the phone, and about three people in, she goes, okay, well, let's take a break from that. <laughs> Did you make an amends to yourself? Because I think we should probably talk about that first. And Why don't we talk about that, actually? Yeah. Let's do that. Sure. I think it can be part of my story. Um, I hadn't actually made a very good one. I think I had like four or five pages of like tiny scribble of amends to everybody else. And at the very like last page on the side of the page where there was a little bit of margin, I scribbled, by the way, Swetha, I'm sorry, I really messed up your life. And uh, that is not an amends to anyone, let alone myself. And um, and I think that for me, having – actually, I think my sponsor that day was like, maybe we should talk about all of this again after you've worked on your amends to yourself first. And I did. And after I did an amends to myself, after I wrote out at least an amends to myself, I was able to see things a lot more clearly um, once I was able, I mean, I guess it's like what people say, right? If you don't have it for yourself, how can you for other people? So once I was able to have compassion and forgiveness for myself, I was able to not be taking other people's inventory in my amends and um, mm. and feel compassion to myself, for myself and for the other person when I'm making, when I was making the, the list for the amends I had to make to other people. And, and then it wasn't so much when I was making the amends it wasn't so much um, about anger towards the other person. That part had not was not in play, but it was so much fear and so much shame about being human. And and it, it really did help. It helped to be clear. Um, someone told me that you things we make amends for, is, it's when you do an emotional, physical, or spiritual harm to somebody else. Um, I, didn't, I didn't actually know that, and so I remember... I remember making like just ridiculous ideas of amends. Just I, I just was like, oh, I'm sorry about. I'm not really sure what I'm sorry about, but I'm sure I screwed something up there. So really sorry about that. And like that was one of my uh, was on my amends list, and I think that was like one of the top three. And part of the again part of the reason my sponsor was like, mm, let's let's just put a hold on that one. And we'll come back to it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it's I think it's very important whether you're making a direct amends or a living amends, to be very clear on what exactly it is. Otherwise, you might end up just making a, a lot more amends and a lot more amends to yourself um, mm -hmm. because you're essentially taking the responsibility on for other people. And something that I've found to be more and more true as I've been in the program longer and longer is that the things I tell myself, even if I'm just saying it as a joke, 
end up becoming my reality. If I just say it to myself enough, if I'm just, if I just call myself an asshole enough, or if I say I'm stupid enough, even if I'm kidding around, eventually I start thinking, what if I am stupid? Or what if I am a raging dick? You know? And, and then my outsides reflect my insides. So when I make an amends, I need to be honoring myself in a, as well as honoring the other person, I think. I actually had that in my notes here that when you asked about when you said let's talk about self amends that's that's what exactly what I wrote down that I make an amends to myself every time I hear that negative self talk in my head mm. when I hear myself this sounds really crazy when I hear myself in my head talking bad to myself <laughs> all the time um, Kelly I do it all the time I know exactly what you mean I will actually say to myself in my head that's not appropriate don't say that you know really? you're you're not a bad person because you did that or um, it's okay that you just got frustrated just now, but let's try not to do that again, you know, or, or something. But I, I will say that to myself in my head, follow that negative self-talk up with, okay, wait a second, let's back up. It's not really that bad, or it's not that intense, or you're not a piece of shit because you, whatever, <laughs> cut somebody off. I don't, I don't even know. I can't even think of an example right now. You're going to be the first person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's a total piece of shit because, yeah, totally I, there. I do have an example of a failed amends oh, that oh. I wanted to share because I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming I'm not the only person that has ever had a failed You're the amends. the first person. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not. And <laughs> the difficult piece about this for me is that it was the first direct amends I attempted to make. Okay. Oh. So it really... <clears throat> So as I described earlier, it was terrifying to get to the point of making direct amends. And I finally got to that point and it, it didn't work out. And so I, it sort of shied me away for yeah. a while again of, of getting to that point of feeling comfortable. But um, it was a friend that I had had in high school and we were really, really close. And there were some, um, there were some feelings between us where we weren't on the same page and she had expressed those to me. And I, pretended like I didn't understand what she was telling me because I didn't reciprocate the feelings and I didn't want to lose the friendship. So I just kind of played dumb. And it, it long story short, it ended up ruining the friendship. So um, it, in it, it ended very badly. It was kind of a disaster at the end. And so it's many years later, uh, I found her on Facebook and contacted her about making an amends and she conveniently was going to be back in Michigan. And so we uh, were messaging back and forth and we had set up a time and a place and it was all coming together. And I was starting to feel really good about this process of making amends. I'm going to do this. This is my first one. It's going to be great. <laughs> and then about a half hour before the meeting, she messaged me back and said, I'm not coming. I feel like this is a trap. And I was devastated because I, I had gotten my expectations up, right? That was in here somewhere in the <clears> reading about how I was going to clear this off my slate and it was going <laughs> to feel so great. And and she wasn't in a place to hear it. And it, I was early enough in the program where my my gut reaction was not to be understanding of that. I couldn't understand that she wasn't in a place. And I was sad and hurt and pissed because it's screwed with this process. I thought I was 
making myself better and now I wasn't able to and she got in the way of that and (laughs) obviously my higher powers stepped in and and it didn't happen for a reason and I can I can be okay with that now and um you know it's it is what it is but fortunately I was able to to come to a place of of not being afraid to make other direct amends as a result of that um and and to kind of go back to what I had mentioned earlier Spencer about this sort of uh, taking baby steps towards making direct amends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents, uh, obviously I owe them an amends. I mean, I was their child and I was a teenager at one point and I did a <laughs> lot of shithead stuff, you know. Um, but they, they don't really understand the program. They're not in recovery. They don't have a base of knowledge around recovery. And so, I sort of envisioned kind of like what you were saying, Swetha, that idea of, of planting them down and starting to have this conversation about, so <laughs> back when I did, and then pull out this list, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, you know, to go through this whole list, especially because my family is, is the type of environment where you just don't talk about your feelings. I knew that it would make them really uncomfortable. And so I found myself in a situation where of recent, uh, because my, my mom is currently living in, in one place. My dad is living in, in another. Um, they're still together, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I, I've been visiting them both separately. And so we've had a lot of one on one time and, and it's actually been beneficial where we'll be sitting together at dinner and just kind of having this conversation. And I can sort of ease and amends about one situation into the conversation that's relevant. Mm. And I can just say, you know, speaking of that, you know, remember when this happened? You know, it's, I feel, I feel bad about that. It's, I'm sad that it happened. And, you know, and they, of course, say something to the effect of, oh, it's, I totally forgot about that. No big deal, you know. But, you know, to me, it's that piece of, of chipping away at it in a way that they can still feel comfortable with as opposed to, you know, this sort of like one chair on either side of the table and, you know, big, long, serious conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I know that they are not in a place to have that kind of conversation. So I'm, I'm trying to take it down to their level and it, it seems to be working better that way. Well, I have to say that, um, you know, even in my case, even with somebody who I know, understands what the process is, which is to say my wife, the concept, the thought of sitting down with this list of harms that I did and trying to go through that whole list sort of in one sitting, I would never have started. Mm-hmm. would never have started. And so being able to pick one thing that also I knew I wanted to change that I was committed to trying to make this change already made it a lot easier to, you know, to do the one thing. Um, you know, maybe next time, maybe I can talk about more than one thing, but you know, that's, that's what I was able to do that time. And, and I, for me, it was really important to get started after 11 years. (laughs) program to get started yeah progress um, not perfection Spencer. oh man 
Absolutely. So we've touched on this question about what about people that you feel you're not ready to make amends to that you or that you don't want to make amends to? I don't know if there's a difference there. I think there might be a difference there that you feel maybe they're not ready. Um, if you don't like go through your whole list and make amends to everybody, does that mean you're still stuck on step nine? Can you never move forward? What, what do you think about that? I think I think there's definitely a difference between not wanting to make an amends to someone and not being ready to. <laughs> I didn't want to make amends to anybody. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought it was kind of funny at the beginning when we were introducing it and we were like, are you excited about doing your amends? And I thought, who the fuck gets excited about doing an amends? That is nuts. Oh, my God. And uh, and then I heard you talk about it. How you were like so pumped. And I was like, oh, my God, these people. <laughs> I don't even understand these people. Every time I thought about doing an amends, I was like, I'm really hyped to cross this off my list. But actually doing the act of... Mm. How about I just cross it off and say I did? And <laughs> um, but uh, I I think not wanting to do an amends is, is natural, <laughs> and not being ready is is something different. I think one has to do with your ego, and one has to do with really being in touch with where you are and being aware of where you are emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, and for me, I think I think it's really good to honor that part of yourself that. Uh, really tapping in and seeing if you're if you're ready uh, to make the amends because otherwise, um, kind of like I was mentioning earlier, if you just stumble into this amends, you're not really ready to make it, and you just word vomit out something. You're probably going to vomit out something disgusting, um, as often happens with vomiting. <laughs> and um, as opposed, and also I think that if I force if I force something like that, I mean, I, there have been a few amends, more like. 10th step maintenance stuff that sometimes I, I hold off on making these amends just to give myself a chance to process and uh, really understand my part in it, feel compassion for myself and the other person. I mean, I know what the amends is, like intellectually I'm, I'm on it, but I think um, forcing myself to do something that I'm not ready to do ends up with me, yeah, I've got one amends off my list, but then there's another amends I have to make to myself um, where I'm not just giving myself space and honoring that I need some time to process these feelings. Um, whereas holding off and really, like I said, honoring what I, what I need, um, is, is amazing. It's, it's completely the opposite. It, it gives me a boost. It gives me more strength. It's, it's I feel like I'm supporting myself and saying it's going to be okay. You're not alone. This is not a terrible thing that you're going to be forced to do. It's not like getting a shot or something, you know, it just being honest with myself is, and being compassionate with myself is, I think, essential for me to do that in an amends. And, um, no, I don't think you have to be done with, at least I wasn't done with all of my amends when, uh, when I started working step 10. I think, I think if I waited to make every, I think if I waited to know what every possible wrong I've ever done to everyone, anyone, and then make all those amends first, I wouldn't even, I would have never gotten past step nine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd still be on step nine. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, I think like, like Kelly says often it's about progress, not perfection. And it's not like if you're on step 10, all of a sudden you can never make amends again. <laughs> step 10 is in fact about making, <laughs> continuing it, to take personal it, inventory it sure and is. make amends yep. when sure necessary. Um, yeah, I, I think with step nine is with all the steps. It's not something you graduate from and you're done with. It's just something you incorporate into your, into your behavior, into your actions, practicing the, these principles in all our affairs at all times, not just when you're working the step. Mm -hmm. Kelly? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, 
I know that there have been times when I've sat down with sponsees and we've gone through their list of amends and there'll be ones on there that are like, um, even though you were an asshole to me, here's my part. (laughs) (laughs) And so we sort of discuss like, okay, well, maybe we're not ready to make that amends yet because if the asshole piece is in there, there's, there's obviously still some feelings to work through and, I don't know that that really qualifies in a, as an amends yep. if you call someone an <laughs> asshole. So, um, so I, I agree. There, there is a difference there yeah. um, between not wanting to and not being ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, on the not ready piece, for me, it's it's just about prayer. I continue to pray for the willingness to be ready because I know at some point. I need to take care of that piece. And as you mentioned, Swetha, maybe it's a pride issue. It's probably a fear issue. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that I'm not ready. Um, and, and like you said, if, if I force it, if I just go through that whole list and just check everything off, then, um, it, it's not going to go well. You know, that they're going to, I'm going to have to make some more amends after that first amends. Make, make amends for improperly making amends. Exactly. Yeah. I would rather cool. wait be patient, say a prayer and do it properly. Um, or, or in a way that I can feel good about. So, um, and, and same thing on, on moving forward. I know myself well enough to know that if I don't have the option to move forward, I'll just give up. Mm. I'll just stop completely, you know? Mm. So for me, and that's again, something that I definitely carry forward to my sponsees that you know, it, it isn't a completion graduation type of thing that this list is something you can set somewhere where it's easily accessible when you're feeling right. You can look through it again, see if anything has changed. Maybe some of those maybes have moved to a yes um, and and revisit it every once in a while so that but but I you know, if I get stalled, then I, I, I can lose all motivation to keep moving through the next couple steps. Kind of have that momentum, huh? Yeah. You know, I've got a, a sponsee who was stuck on a step, uh, stuck on step six, which has those words all and entirely in it. <laughs> and uh, my sponsee said, you know, one of my character defects is perfectionism, and and I can't get be ready to have the perfectionism removed until I'm ready to have all of my defects entirely removed because I'm such a perfectionist. And uh, what... We talked about it. We talked about a number of things, and and I remembered uh, this uh, little uh, little quote from the uh, the big book of AA that I felt really directly addresses this question of moving on, even though you haven't quote finished uh, a, a particular step. And this is from the How It Works chapter. Many of us exclaimed, "What an order! I can't go through with it." Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And to me, that really captures this notion that we do what we can. We do what we can, and then uh, we don't try to be perfect about it. We, we move on and, and you're right. You need that forward, that forward momentum. You know, I think we have a, um, an email from Ruth that I think actually fits pretty well right here. Uh, Kelly, can you read that? Absolutely. It says, Hey guys, in regard to step nine, I can say that I knew the principle of doing amends also before I joined Al-Anon. 
but working in the program changed my attitude. It made me more willing and persistent. In the past, I may have offered or tried something, and when it was refused or didn't work, I shrugged my shoulders and left it behind me, shut myself down, reassured myself that, well, I tried it, so what? Once Swaitha was describing this procedure of shutting down, closing up so I could identify with it, I always thought it was an okay reaction because who do I hurt when I just, she uses the example when I just turtle, which I'm <laughs> assuming means like just tuck everything inside the shell and, you That's know, the give up. I had, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so I see it also as a part of the binary trap. It works. It does not work. And when it does not work now, 100%, I can just leave. But that's not okay, and it leaves other people in an uncomfortable place. Today, I found myself in a similar situation when in the past, I was just getting up, ending the conversation, and leaving. But this time, I pushed the pause button. I just stayed in the situation, kept sitting where I was. After a while of not talking, I expressed my thoughts and feelings that I want to do something different and asked my counterpart what were their thoughts, opinions, wishes, or feelings. Finally, I don't think that I could do the amend I planned, but I have the feeling that it was a first step in a new and better direction. It was definitely an amend of the kind of communication I have with this person. Progress, not perfection. Thank you, Ruth, for that. So I want to sort of close off our discussion here by just asking you to reflect on what difference making amends has made for your life who wants to start i'll go um um, i think question yeah (laughs) i think that for me uh, i mentioned this before making amends helped me to be able to walk with my head up and look people in the eye any person not just people that i don't have to make an amends to or never had to make an amends to and um because there's nothing I was hiding. There was nothing I was hiding from anyone. Uh, it was just honesty. And in being honest and acting in that way, acting as if, um, that I, I, acting as if I wasn't ashamed, acting as if I wasn't, um, ash- yeah, just not, just ashamed of myself. I was able to then stop being ashamed of myself little by little, one day at a time. Hmm. Um, and also I think, I think the process of amends, helped me not just with accept like I said not just with acceptance of myself but acceptance of other people and uh and also acceptance of the process um something Kelly kind of touched on earlier was when you were talking about the you know the botched amends mm. that you you were saying that it was a higher power moment and that it just it wasn't the right time to make the amends i i think that when i um being when i'm really self-aware when i'm really tuned into how i'm feeling about something um, if I'm not ready, I don't have to sit there and go into this like crazy loop where I'm like, if I don't make amends to this person, something terrible is going to happen and blah, 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 blah. I can just say, I'm not ready and I'm just going to trust the process. And when I'm ready, I'll make the amends and it will be the right time. Um, whatever that time is, whenever it is, just trusting the process, trusting what's supposed to happen and, and honoring myself and other people in that way has changed my life dramatically. Thanks. Kelly. The phrase, um, I think it's an AA phrase, but, you know, being a woman of dignity and grace, that, that comes to mind. You know, I feel like it's kind of what Swetha was saying, that it, it, it sort of allowed me to have an acceptance for others that I was never able to have before. 
You know, I was always, I was always viewing others with this critical eye, looking at everything they did wrong and focusing on that instead of acknowledging that, you know, we all make mistakes. And I, I feel like that's a big part for me of step eight and nine is really looking at myself realistically and realizing that I have made mistakes too and, and that everybody does. And so what I can do, like you said, as an immense myself and to others is to rectify that behavior. And, you know, it just, especially those in the moment of the day that they happen type of amends, I feel so much better about myself as a person, knowing that um, then I can admit my faults and clear away the wreckage of the past, you know, that I, that I can... I can be okay with who I am and recognize that I, I, I acted in a way that I didn't love and, and take care of it. So I don't have to keep carrying that baggage around. It's, it's definitely a freeing feeling to make amends. Wow. I, I don't know if I have much to add to what you guys said. I mean, the, really the, the, the way it frees me to not be, to not be carrying around those rocks, those those black holes in my soul, uh, you know, I have I have more lightness of being, and also when when I screw up, as I inevitably will, <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to admit it and to make whatever amends are necessary. Then, or as soon as as soon as I can, as soon as I'm ready to, as soon as the other person's ready for it, and that helps to keep me from carrying around um, those those rocks, those stones um, of shame, of guilt. Uh, you know, when I've made amends to somebody, then I don't have to feel like maybe I have to hide, I have to run away when I see them, because well, I've got this thing that I did that I'm feeling guilty about, whether or not they remember it. Um, and I guess that's that's part of the reason that we say that amends are for us more than for the other person, because... It's really the only way that I can let go of some of the things that I've done in the past that have hurt people. Today's reminder says, I can't make past wrongs disappear, but I can take actions that will help me to let them go. When I make amends, I do what I can to correct the situation. Then I can put the past in its rightful place and leave it there. Let me remember that the reason for making amends is to free my own mind of uneasiness. So after a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. What's our song, Swetha? Our song is Hoobastank, and they sing The Reason. Um, when I was an undergrad, I thought that this was a song that my boyfriend at the time should sing to me because I thought he was a raging asshole. And <laughs> now when I hear the song, thankfully recovery has, not, uh, has actually changed that. And uh, when I hear the song, I think about making an amends to myself uh, and so essentially when I hear the song I think of the singer singing an amends to himself
section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. So I think I'm going to start. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> what did happen in my life this week? Um, I, I was, I was really sick this week and, uh, ended up not coming to my regular Wednesday meeting because I was like, contagious, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I got that all out before I came to the podcast, Kelly. So you're okay. <laughs> <Thank> um, you. <laughs> I um I did go to the Friday meeting and the topic was step nine. And it was it was really good. It was a whole new I felt like I heard a whole lot of new takes on step nine. We read through the passages in the Paths to Recovery book. And there's a lot there's a lot in there. It's a really good book. And people, you know, whatever spoke to the person sharing is what they kind of elaborated on and it was it was just really interesting because of course when I'm hearing someone read I'm I know exactly what step nine is all about I know everything about step nine ever and then other people share and I'm like whoa that's totally impressive and completely (laughs) new and I didn't think about that and I'm gonna hopefully be doing another step nine soon so something to think about and um yesterday I had a really, really bad, it was like the worst point of my cold, I think, but I, I had signed up for a day of meditation and I was looking forward to it for like two weeks. So I went and it was, it was really, really good. Actually, I, um, I don't know if the meditation gave my body the rest. I wasn't giving it the rest of the week or what, mm. but after I was done with it, I, I felt a lot better, uh, physically, spiritually, and all of that. If I haven't said it enough already in all these past episodes, meditation, it rules. Helps a lot with everything. <laughs> Go meditation and tea maskist. All right, <laughs> Kelly. Was it was it the same meditation that? No. Oh, different. Oh. Okay. I think it was. It was. It a, was not the Thursday night meditation that. that no, no. Okay. This was a Saturday all day day of meditation retreat oh. thing. At, um, yeah, nice. it was at the Interfaith Center or something. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Um. My week was crazy. Uh, I was in Chicago the beginning of the week and for, for some work. And then I told Spencer I wasn't going to speed home to make it in time for the Wednesday night meeting. I may have sped a little bit, <laughs> but I did make it home in time for the meeting. Um, and I didn't get pulled over. So that's good. And it was the first step talk. Cause that would have made you late. Exactly. I know, <laughs> right? It's, uh... Officer, you don't Lesser understand. of evils. It's yeah. a matter of my mental health. I have to get to an Al-Anon meeting, officer. <laughs> you think that would get me out of a ticket? I don't know. I don't know. If they, if they were in a program, they might understand. Right. That's how you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was first step talk, which is one of my favorite weeks because it's a half hour lead, which means pressure is off on sharing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, but I also love it because it, it really gives me an opportunity to get to know somebody that 
maybe I don't normally talk to at meetings. And um, the woman who spoke is someone that I have chatted with a few times and we keep talking about getting together for coffee and my schedule has been nuts and she had some trips planned and so we just weren't able to. And so it was really nice just to to hear a little bit about her story and, and what her life has been like and because um, I, I know little snippets, but not the full story. So and then I immediately left to go to Florida for a convention for work. And I was there until um, yesterday. The convention was really sort of the polar opposite of anything in recovery. <laughs> um, it is loud and crazy. And there, uh, there are lots of uh, there's just lots of drunken behavior that happens um, at the convention, after the convention. Uh, we had a, a work dinner one night that started at 8 o'clock and we didn't get our food until 10.30. And so the entire time in between, they just kept bringing more and more alcohol to the table. And you could just see the progression of people just getting wacky. And so as soon as I was done eating, I just excused myself and got out of there because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to stick around to see how bad it got. And uh, it's just, there's not a lot of serenity. Um, I sent a picture on Instagram of halfway through my day. And yeah, that's pretty crazy. In our little section of the convention, uh, they, in our booth, they halfway through the day brought in a live band kind of like a punk band and so that was really loud and they give away free stuff and so all these people come and crowd at the front and it's just people are jumping on each other and knocking each other down trying to get free it's really ridiculous um so it's sort of the opposite of serenity but um it sounds like a rob zombie concert (laughs) kind of yes actually (laughs) very similar experience um, and I did learn my lesson from a couple weeks ago, and I decided even though it was more expensive, I was not going to have a roommate because I know how crazy it gets during the day. And so it was really nice and relaxing to just come home at the end of the day. And I had my room to myself and it was quiet and I didn't have to deal with anybody coming in at two in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that was a nice break in the action. And then on my flight home yesterday, I, um, I had an empty seat next to me for the longest time and I was really excited. I was like, this is going to be great. It's just me. I can get my work done. I had a lot of deadlines today. And at the very last second, they actually moved someone up from the back into the seat next to me. And we both were working and then they brought out dinner and we started talking and he, um, he was this totally, spiritual, um, trained as a pastor, but not his profession guy. And so we, we had the best conversation ever. It was, we talked about higher power and having a plan for your life. And we talked about our personal life and he was a really, really interesting gentleman. And it was, uh, that I felt like was definitely a higher power moment, sort of a, a nice reversal of, the previous couple days of chaos and mayhem, just kind of to Ooh. know that like there are some sane people out there too. <laughs> and um, so it was, it was fantastic. Um, and, and now I'm here. So glad to be home. How about you, Spencer? How about me? Well, let's see. I did go to the same Wednesday night meeting and, you know, I speak a lot in that meeting. And so I was, try to think if I really 
have something to say, and I feel, usually feel like I do, and I don't know, you know, I guess that's not my judgment. And and this time I thought, you know, I the person who spoke, you know, her life was not my life with alcoholism, um, and I thought, well, you know, I don't have I don't have anything to say. And then right near the end, she said something about recognizing that she was she created crises in her life because she didn't feel comfortable if there wasn't something going on. She didn't feel comfortable sitting in the quiet. And I realized that I have been doing that. That when things are going well and it's all quiet, and then I want to like find something to get frantic about. And so I just I just shared that very briefly. I said thank you for reminding me Thank you for, for, for helping me to recognize that I'm doing this in my own life. And uh, Friday night we talked about step nine. Good preparation for today. Um, went to a meeting Sunday night, which was last night, and we had uh, some newcomers in the meeting, and it's tradition of that meeting to do a first step table when we have newcomers. And I sat at the first step table. There was some really good sharing around the table. I shared my story and another person at the table said, oh my God, that is exactly where I am right now. Part of my story just was exactly where that person was. And we talked a little bit about it afterwards. And I really encouraged them to reach out for help. There's so much support here. There's so much support from people who have been in that place that, you know, I, I can't tell this person what to do. I can't say follow my path or don't follow my path. But just the fact that, that I had been having those same feelings, having that same distress, uh, anxiety, frustration, fear was significant, I think. I also reached out to another friend who's in crisis this week and just offered to listen. I said, you're in my prayers. You are loved. You are worthy of love. I sent a text message, you know. Um, because I wasn't sure whether, uh, this is maybe this is my own insecurity speaking, but I wasn't sure whether my reaching out would be welcomed. Mm-hmm. And I got a response back that said, thank you so much. I really needed to hear that right now. And that just reminds me that when somebody's in a crisis, when somebody's grieving a death or they've had um, some horrible thing happen in their life, that... I don't have to know how to help. I don't know, have to know, you know, my codependency says I have to fix it. And, and I, I really need to keep reminding myself, I don't have to fix it. I don't have to know the right thing to say to make it better. That so often just saying, I'm here. I care about you is enough, is more than enough. And, and that's a, it's a really hard thing for me because I really want to fix it. Mm-hmm. I just want to make it better and I can't, but I can be there. So, yeah, so that's, that's, um, my life, my meetings this week. Um, work has been still continuing to be stressful and I'm trying to really keep a balance of life and work. I did have a really nice weekend. It was beautiful weather here. And I was able to get outside. I was able to do some yard work, which I've been kind of not being able to do for a good part of the, the summer. 
and uh, spent some time just sitting on the deck in the in the sun, and that was nice, and uh, and some good food, yeah. <laughs> so it's you know being in recovery enables us to enjoy life, I think, mm. also. Mm-hmm. So next week we're going to talk about vulnerability, mm. and I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I want to thank. Um, I think it was Christine that suggested this topic. I thought I wrote that in here, but it's not. Anyway, we're going to talk about vulnerability. And when I suggested this topic on the email, uh, I think Kelly and Swetha both had similar responses like, wow, I really don't want to do that, which means I probably should. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be vulnerable. Uh, We welcome your thoughts. Uh, I feel like we're vulnerable every week. We sit here and sort of bare our souls, you know? Um, you can join the conversation. Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about vulnerability. And we have, as usual, some thought questions here for you. Do you fear that being vulnerable with your loved ones will be perceived as a sign of weakness? Do you tend to avoid discussing your own feelings? Do you try to cover up your flaws? Do you often take other people's inventory? Brene Brown says vulnerability is our most accurate measure of courage. What does that say to you? Do you gain trust when someone else is vulnerable? So, you know, think about these. Think about other things you know about vulnerability and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to incorporate your thoughts, your ideas, your voice into the podcast. And Kelly, how can people do that? Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. So if you're listening right now, just put the podcast on pause and then you can call us up at 734 707 8795. You can also use the voicemail button, which is on the website. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us an email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. And we really do love to hear from you. We want you to share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of step nine, or next week's topic of vulnerability, as suggested by Caroline. I did have it in there, there it is. just the wrong place. So if you do have a topic or question you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Swetha, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? They can find out more about our show at our website, therecoveryshow.com. It has all the information about the show, including the notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of the Open Talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog. Uh, if We're always looking for music suggestions and have a page with just a few that we've received so far. And if you're inspired or ambitious, you can think about contributing a guest meditation or a meditation prompt, which is usually a quote or a song lyric. If you'd like the meditations emailed to you daily, click on the email button at the top right corner of the page to sign up. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Hey, Kelly, do we have any voicemails, emails, or comments this week? Actually, we have quite a few this week, but first we're going to listen to a song by a band called Mum's Dollar, and the song is entitled Making Amends. Uh, I'm not sure we need a ton of explanation here, but uh, there is a lyric that we called, I said some things I would regret next time we met. It's my mistake. It's time we made amends. Let's recognize it's in the past. So enjoy.
welcome back. We've got a voicemail from Aviva who used the uh, button on the website. Yay. Hey there, my name is Aviva. Um, I like your show and I really would appreciate it if you do something about domestic violence because my former alcoholic ex-spouse, blah, 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 um, pulled again on me. It was very disturbing and I'm trying to work my way through that. Um, and I do Al-Anon and I do uh, another 12-step program and I'd appreciate your thoughts. Thanks. Well, thank you for that call, Aviva. I, I don't personally have experience with domestic violence. I think that's something we'd have to do, um, talk to some people, other people in the program to, uh, to really get some, some good input on that. Uh, but it, um, it is a topic that, you know, it's definitely important, I think, to a, a number of people in, who are in, in Al-Anon, in recovery in general. I don't know. You guys have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a great topic because I, I agree. I mean, it, it happens to a lot of people that come to this program and, and I agree. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a round table topic. I, I don't know. Could we'll, be, we'll have to think about yeah, it. How we, how, we, how we could do that. Yeah. I, I did want to, um, I had a conversation with a friend who goes to meetings in, a, in another city and they have some different traditions there. And at least one of the meetings that she goes to, they, I think this, yeah, they had a discussion about whether it was appropriate to talk about domestic violence in Al Anon meeting. And, mm. and there were some very strong opinions that it was not appropriate, that it was not about alcoholism. And, you know, both my friend and I totally disagree with that statement. Yeah. Because it's so often a consequence of alcoholism and addiction. It is. So we have uh, some emails here. Uh, I think Swetha should read the one from Rick. Okay. Uh, Rick writes, For more than three months, I lived in Ukraine without access to meetings and nine hours time difference from my home group. Your recovery show podcast was my lifeline. I went through some really difficult times there and had surgery in Ukraine hospital where no one spoke English, not recommended. And there were, and there were many days when the only voice I heard in English was yours. I don't just love your show. You've become my virtual home group. Your respect for the traditions and best practices of Al-Anon, the literature, and your honesty and insight have earned my total respect and love. P.S. I love it when Kelly says the F word. <laughs> Signed, Rick. <laughs> we're just trying to keep it real here, Rick. You know, we're, we're recovering and we're not trying to smooth everything over and look, make it look beautiful anymore. <laughs> We've got a pattern here, too, because last week Brian was like, yeah, keep the language coming. <laughs> And uh, how about Kelly? You want to read the one from Holly? Sure. So Holly was the one who actually originally suggested that we do an episode on self-care. So Holly says, a big thank you for episode 39 on self-care. I am grateful for each of your thought-provoking perspectives on this topic. I should tell you, I like this episode so much that I have already listened to it more than once. Many thanks for all the time and effort each of you put into creating this excellent show, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Jonathan left a comment on the website uh, with a song suggestion, Wharf Rat by the Grateful Dead, which I'm not familiar with. And some of the lyrics he gave us, but I'll get back on my feet someday, the good Lord willing, if he says I may. I know that the life I'm living is no good. I'll get a new start, live the life I should. I'll get up and fly away. Hmm. And uh, he also commented that there's a group of deadheads that are uh, in sobriety that they call themselves the Wharf Rats. Oh. And I, I don't know 
I, I was thinking they called themselves the Horfrats after this song, but yeah. I don't know. Is it that way or is it the other way around? What do you think? <laughs> Who knows? That's cool. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, also on the website, Diane wrote about self-care. She said, great episode on self-care. Appreciated and enjoyed the new voice, Jonah. Yeah. We'll have to get Jonah back someday. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, we've got another one from Ruth here about the sibling roundtable. You want to read that, Swetha? Yep. Ruth wrote, great episode. Thanks to Jane and Rick for their openness. Two things with which I could resonate most. I had a problem with not close people touching me too. In my first Al-Anon meeting, I had to ask people not to hug me after the meeting because it may draw me away. At that time, I'd only been attending meetings where it, not been, it was not usual to hug each other. Years later, I attended another meeting where people hugged afterwards, and I got caught before I even noticed. <laughs> By that opportunity, I found out that it didn't feel so odd anymore and that I could notice that some healing had happened. Mm. When Jane was talking about her aunt, who unconditionally loved her, I could remember two persons, too. Two people that gave me the unconditional love I was longing for as a child— I, knowing this, I, knowing this was like having two sparkling diamonds in my treasure that I can look at and enjoy. Hmm. That was really That's beautiful. Great. Yeah, it is. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, you know, iTunes uh, reviews and ratings help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. If you're concerned about anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review and your identity won't be shown. And we have, uh, three, uh, iTunes reviews this, this week. Uh, we have one from Marley the Pooh. Uh, <laughs> Gave us five stars, titled Grateful This Exists. Helpful, practical, insightful, often humorous experience, strength, and hope on living with the effects of addiction from an Al-Anon perspective. Listening is almost like attending a meeting. Such a powerful testament to how Al-Anon recovery from dysfunction, codependency, etc. really works. The hosts and guests seem so grateful to have found a solution that they're committed to passing that gift on to others. Like they say, if you, you can't keep the recovery if you don't give it away. Great way to carry the message, thanks to all involved. Kelly, you want to read the next one? Sure. This is entitled An Oasis of Experience, Strength, and Hope. Five stars. Awesome. That's a good, that's a good title. And this is by Serene Beth. It says, wow, I just found a connection to my family of choice as opposed to my family of origin through this podcast. This readily available oasis is a very welcome addition to helping me on my journey. I am an old timer in Al-Anon, 14 years and give these beautiful people five stars wholeheartedly. You, you're good, quoting Robert De Niro in Analyze This. I love you all for your openness in self-examination, giving spirit, humbleness, and service. Thank you. I look forward to joining you live in the chat room one day. All right, definitely. Please do that, Beth. We would love to have you. And I just want to say, you know, we got several people in the chat room, but nobody's chetting. Oh. Swetha, can you read the uh, one from Davey? Sure. Uh, the last one is titled The Recovery Show from... It's titled The, the Recovery Show. <laughs> the Recovery Show. It's like the Highlander. There can only be one. <laughs> uh, that's not part of the title. <laughs> um, so the title is The Recovery Show. And uh, Davey writes, A friend suggested that I might find listening to The Recovery Show a helpful tool. A way to continue to fill my mind with recovery messages between meetings. My qualifier wife had left again and I was devastated and depressed. Meetings helped me feel better for an hour, but that wasn't enough. This show acts not only as a meeting between meetings, but I'm learning from the content, which I hope will make this painful period shorter, with much less self-pity and inner faith. You can't go wrong with listening, and you can go a lot right. It's another part of a life-saving message. Thanks so much, yeah. Davey. Thanks to everybody who uh, who left a, left a review or a rating. And to all of you who join our conversation, you know, you're part of our community, and... 
I think we would do this even if you weren't listening, but, um, you know, it really, for me, it really, um, gives me energy to keep going, um, knowing that something we do might be helping you someday, might be touching you, might be inspiring you to, uh, contribute back. So thanks for writing in. I don't know if this makes sense or not, but I feel like it's humbling to know that we're helping this many people too. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. Thank you guys. Humbling. That is, that is definitely true. Okay. And, um, I'm going to close off here. I just want to say it doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show. We do have expenses, which are now running about $40 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Sarah and Diane did. We've put together a list of recovery-related books, and I think Kelly might have found a new one on, on her trip. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have Clean. To, after, you, after you read that, yeah. we'll have to talk about it. Yes. Uh, so you can click on the books link at the top of the page, and if you order one of these books from Amazon, at least if you're in the United States, through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, you can order just about anything from Amazon if you use the search box at the bottom of the books page, and it costs you nothing extra, and it helps to keep us on the air. So thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. We're going to close the show with the song In the Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics, which is Eric Clapton in one of his band incarnations. And to me, this song talks about the importance of making amends when you can, uh, because the, the singer is lamenting the things that he did not get to say to his father. And uh, he says, I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I didn't get to tell him all the things I had to say. Every generation Blames the one before And all of their frustration Beating on your door I know that I'm a prisoner To all my father held so dear I know that I'm a hostage To all his hopes and fears I just wish I could have told him In the living years More crumpled bits of paper I'm afraid that's all we've got You say you just don't see it He says it's perfect sense You just can't get agreement In this present tense We all talk a different language Talking in defense Thank you for listening and please keep coming back Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Bye.
and don't give in. 